think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there. Our brains aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. Of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. I wouldn't say that reading is necessarily better than hearing or worse than hearing. They're different. And what you extract is different. He's Art Markman. He's Bob Duke. And I'm Rebecca McEnroy. And this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, how our brains process information differently based on how we consume it. We got a question from Twitter. Beautiful. Wow. So 140 characters or less. <laughs> what is the difference between in your comprehension when you're listening as opposed to when you're reading something? I mean, reading itself is a fascinating Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Because language obviously evolved as a vocal exercise with a small number of people hanging out together, talking in real time. And then at some point, various cultures found ways of taking all of those sounds and turning them into things you could look at and it turned out that the human brain was remarkably good at translating all of those markings into the sounds that would allow you to re-experience language without that person being there yeah if i'm reading something like you know listen to some books on tape and some readers will change their voice a little bit or mod modify their speech when they're speaking in the voice of a character or when a character in the book is giving a description if you're reading by yourself, you're responsible for all of that, right? I mean, the only thing that you're you're seeing are words and sentences and paragraphs, but anything having to do with the humanness of that beyond just the content of the text, you as a reader are now responsible for creating. And I think a lot of people who read a book and love a book and then go to a movie and are so disappointed in the movie because they had imagined a set of characters that were much richer than what is depicted in a film because your imagination is more a part of what you're doing. Now, whether that makes it more authentic or not, I, I don't but know. But one aspect of the authenticity is that it is your your internal voice yeah. that's a piece of this. So yeah. as you're reading, it's, it's, it, it's creating thoughts directly in you that are coming from the page. So you're going from, from a visual medium and, and that the words on the page are being translated into speech in your head. Mm -hmm. And so what you're getting is the creation of this internal monologue. When you listen to someone else speaking, you're getting somebody else's voice that you're then using to understand something, which means that the spoken language for a book you're listening to is going to involve both the voice that someone else is using to read, as well as your own internal thoughts. And that creates a different memory for this later. Yeah. So there is a sense in which reading the book directly directly is a, a more personal experience. You have a greater responsibility as a reader for adding the stuff that makes the symbols on the page turn into a human experience, right? If you're looking at a symbol, there's no facial expression, there's no vocal inflection, there's not anything that, and as we said many times, our brain's modules, you want to call that, are profusely interconnected. So when you sort of strip away all the emotionality that comes from actually hearing a human being speak, because everything about when you hear a human being, no matter what they're saying, it's, it's activating parts of your brain that have to do with human beings and emotions and interacting with other people. And if you're just looking at symbols on a page, you have to supply all that other stuff. We we actually did a study looking at, at a difference between written and spoken understanding. And what we were interested in was people's ability to find the deeper meaning in something. So think about Proverbs. And Proverbs are these beautiful little statements of cultural wisdom. So, you know, when you say, I don't know, a stitch in time saves nine, that isn't really about sewing. I mean, it is, but it's at a deeper level. 
really about the value of planning ahead for things and doing things in advance. Well, it turns out when you read a proverb, you actually tend to stick much more on the literal surface of things. And so the things that you're reminded of when you hear proverbs that you read are things that have similar objects in them. So if, if I say to you, the noise of the wheels doesn't measure the load in the wagon, if you read that proverb, then you're, you're much more likely to re be reminded of proverbs like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, which has a wheel in it. <laughs> but doesn't actually mean the same thing at all. Whereas if you hear that proverb, you're much more likely to be reminded of things like you can't judge a book by its cover, which has the same meaning that the surface properties of something are not a good reflection of their inner essence. And so it appears that because you can't go back and reread something, you actually do a better job of trying to extract the gist of what someone meant when you're hearing them than when you're reading. And I, why Shakespeare is so much easier to understand when it's being performed yeah, right. than when you're trying to struggle through reading. Yeah. Exactly. And when we're reading and when we're listening, our brains are making predictions all the time. Rhythm, rhythm matters a lot. By changing the rhythm of what you're saying and by creating a rhythm, you give people an opportunity to predict what's going to happen right. next. And that's why we miss misspellings and miss little problems that we see. And, and likewise, when we're listening to somebody... You develop because of the rhythm, because of the timing, because of the expectations your brain is creating. You expect something to happen. And when a good comedian or a good poet or anyone diverts from that expectation in a strategic way, it elicits a little response to you emotionally because I was expecting that to happen and that happened instead. And I thought it was going to go there and it went there. That's the, the essence of a lot of artistic experience because great artistic creators, whether they're poets or musicians or whatever, create expectations. And those expectations are either delayed in some way or they're thwarted in some way. And all of those non-fulfillments of expectation create emotional sauce that's pleasant to experience. And then one other difference between reading and spoken language is that typically reading is done alone and spoken language is done with somebody else there. And that licenses different kinds of reactions. So for example, we did a show a while back on laughter and we know that laughter has a real social component. It's very hard to read something that makes you laugh out loud. Every once in a while it happens and there are certain authors who might make you laugh out loud, but for the most part, you don't burst out into peals of laughter when you're reading something. And yet when you're having a conversation, there's a lot more laughter and a lot more joyous reaction and stuff like that because it creates a more social experience. And, and that's why listening to something, you're actually much more likely to laugh out loud even if it's a book on tape. Next week, we'll explore the psychological dynamics of Thanksgiving dinner with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can subscribe to the Two Guys on Your Head podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review while you're there. We'd love to know what you think of the show. David Alvarez is our engineer and I'm Rebecca McEnroy. I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.